Praise God. I am so glad to be back. It's been, it was two years ago I was here for the ladies' conference. And I have to tell you, last year, the weekend you were all together, I was pouting. <laughs> I wanted to be here. Um, but God was doing good things there, and we just couldn't leave. Um, I got challenged last night. Um, one of the girls from Ohio came up to me, and she said, I remembered your stories from, la- from when you were here last, and I can't wait to hear this year's. Pressure. Pressure, girl. <laughs> so then she got me thinking, okay, two years ago, what were we doing two years ago? And I remembered I stood up here bawling like a baby as I'm telling you all about the robbery. Well, God's done a lot of fun, cool, amazing things since then, and I'm just honored to be able to be here and share with you some of the things that he's doing. But first off, before we get started, there's one thing I've always wanted to do, and we're going to do it. Just because all of you get to go out of here this week and go love on your kids and love on your grandkids, and I'm heading back. So if we can start the first slide, and I'm going to have to just tell them, When to switch the slides for me? Are we ready? It's okay. But while we're waiting, the one song that we did this morning, I'm breathing in grace. Yeah. And I'm breathing out praise. And that's my prayer this morning, that as I share, I'm breathing in grace. And I'm breathing in what God wants me to share with you all, because I want to breathe out praise. Because he is so amazing. Whether we're here, whether we're there. I'm leaving behind 25, or 50, no, not that many, 15 grandbabies. And so we've spent a lot of time this trip home with these kids. Um, The top one is five of my grandkids that live down in Milton, and we dedicated the new baby this, this last weekend. So that was pretty nice to be. And the other one, we were camping. And so we did all kinds of fun kind of get down and get dirty stuff. That's my little Elijah, and he was helping Pop-Up build. And Pop-Up tries to do something every time we come home. And I have to tell you, that was dragging pants. You know, um, my dad has done that for the last, like, ten years. I'm starting to see my husband do that. So when I saw my little grandson, oh, man, I'm getting him suspenders. (laughs) The next one, but not fun, my family needs you. And your family needs me. Because God hears our prayers, whether we're here or we're below you in Nicaragua or whether we're across the globe. We need each other to pray for each other and pray for our children and our grandchildren. And what you spoke last night about that funeral and those boys, I've been there, girlfriend. It's been about 15 years ago, and we had a lot of kids in this area. And a lot of that were killed in car accidents and just crazy things. But, you know, it did bring a lot of kids on fire. And me and guys, we don't want something tragic like that hitting this area again. Get on our faces before the Lord. And pray for my kids, too, while you're at it. The next one. Because while you're all back here praying and touching my kids' lives, I'm down there. And I'm getting to spend time with pretty little girls like this down there. And this is the last community we went into, and I just met these girls 
um, the Monday before we left, and when I met them, they said, oh, it's white faces. And I shared to the girls last night, I thought I had a tan. <laughs> Till that happened. The next one, but God has blessed us from living in that one little room um, for eight months. And after the robbery, we began to build on the property and stuff. And that's my little house. I went from four, a four-level house here in Canton to 500 square feet. And I love it. So when you see those little houses, you know, that they're doing on TV now, little house, I'm all about it when I come back. I don't want to clean your big houses anymore. The next one, we're all walled in. We have a, God has provided a wall all the way around the complex. We have gates on all the entrances, and we have a razor wire on top, but we are safe. And for Christmas, the next one, I got a puppy, and it's a pit bull, so I feel pretty safe. You know, God is the biggest protector, but you know, my little dog... I can sleep at night. <laughs> the next one. And now, Sandy, there it is. Now, God is providing a new building on our property. This is our duplex. Um, we are going to be living in half of it, and the other half of it is prepared for when y'all come down to help. We're pretty excited about that. This picture was just taken two day, about two or three days ago. The guy that's staying on our property now taking care of things for us is a good friend from Georgia, and he climbed up the Internet Tower to get this picture. There's another view up cl- close. Next one. There we go. So that gives you a little bit. We do everything in concrete. No drywall. No drywall. No putting pins in the wall to hang a picture. Uh, it's all up against that. You know, I have a stack of stuff that's going to lay there for six months till my husband, you know, will put him in the wall. It used to be all me, not anymore. The next one. So, yeah. As you're talking about your high-heeled shoes last night, this is as good as it gets. And I didn't realize that I had gotten quite that bad till I came home one time and my cousin said to me, what's with the shoes? I've got Crocs. I've got Keens. I've got Tevas. I don't have stilettos anymore. And she said to me, I understand you go to be a missionary. I understand that God wants you there. But what's with the Jesus shoes? God keeps me humble. So when you talk about being prideful, I deal with that a lot. So God has a way of doing these kinds of things to bring me back into perspective. The next picture will show you that. We had a whole team down, and you can't believe the job I got. I'm in the outhouse. And that, but that little bucket is right on top of the toilet. That's at the school. Yeah, and I got to paint the bottom walls. (laughs) But it worked. But it worked, yeah. This is baseball church. um, Every other Sunday morning, we have started a baseball church. That's my dog now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's big now. Um, We have started a baseball church. 
for the boys that won't go to church. They come to our place, and they get the word, and then we play some baseball. And that is, there's actually an intern, Alex Schrader's up in the top. You can't quite see his head, but yeah, God's doing amazing things through that. The guy in the front squatted down with the sunglasses um, has been with us for four years, and he is now has a job we had shared on Sunday out, um, it's not in ministry, it's out in the public world, and he has realized that it's now time for him to be sharing to the people he works with out there what God has done in his life. Okay, next one. Yeah, these are our kids in Bible class. We can do Bible class in public school down there. And I don't remember what the challenging question was to these kids, but you can tell they are all about it. They want, yeah, they are all in. They want to learn. The next one, these are boys. And these are boys being tested on memory verses in Scripture. In this particular picture, they're learning the Lord's Prayer. And I thought that would cover me at least three weeks while I was gone, while they learned the Lord's Prayer. I told it to them one week, and the last week I was there, these kids were running up to do their test. And then we have a little prize box that they can get things out of. And the next one shows you that even the older kids, they were giving up their time to play and do other activities, and that's the Bible verse. And they were just pounding it to get that scripture into their minds and into their hearts. The next one, you all know about jewelry class. The jewelry's out on the table. It's one of our discipleship programs we do with young ladies. Um, Now, Anna that's standing there in the front is one of our... Um, girls from the jewelry class, and behind her you see some teenagers. These are our last year six, a few of our last year sixth grade graduates. And once they graduate sixth grade, they have to go five miles away to a different school for high school, which means they're not in Bible class. They don't get to participate in the library or anything. And they had approached us and said, we want more. We want more. And so now they're coming out and doing projects with us and where we can disciple them, and they're helping teach Bible class in the elementary school now in the mornings. When they graduate from sixth grade, because they have to go five miles to go on to high school, um, they leave at, new, at 11, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning to walk to school, about five miles. And then at the end of the day at five o'clock, they have to walk back home. It's dark at six o'clock. And so if they participate in school... And I say participate in the sense that lots of times school isn't such a necessity in the family's minds back there in those combos. So we encourage them if they stay in school and they do good attendance. We can't ask for perfect attendance. And we see them apply themselves in school. You know, they can't just show up and goof off. They've got to really work. When they graduate sixth grade, through the sponsorship program, they're presented a bicycle so that they can go on to high school. Or if they need to get a job, they have a way and means to get to, to their job. But i got to tell you, they're real. Another one of God's humbling moments. You know, as I'm up here, I want you to understand, all those things I've showed you thus far, God's doing. We're just the hands and the feet. And I was having one of those times where you can get a little proud. And I think I even fell asleep talking about some of the cool things that I thought we were doing. 
And we had gone to sleep probably about an hour. And I switched around because it's really hot. It's about 100 degrees this time of year. And we don't have air conditioning. So periodically, you got to flip ends of the bed just to, to get out of the water that move your sweat. And I had done that. And I stuck my hands up underneath my pillow. And everything was fine. Well, 20 minutes later, I flipped to the other end and put my feet up underneath my pillow. And I got zapped. Two weeks later, I'm back in bed. And this time, I am, I'm trying to think, oh, I am just laying in there. haven't even gone to sleep yet. And I have a short nightie on about to here. And all of a sudden, I feel a bee sting. And I slap it on my shoulder. And it stings me. And it rolls down my back, and it's stinging me all the way. And I'm realizing it's the scorpion under my nightgown. And I'm hollering to my husband to wake up and pull this nightie off of me and find the light. And in the meantime, he's just trying to wake up, and I flip it off and can't find it. And I'm stung from here to here. Now, with scorpion bites, you never know quite how you're going to respond to them. And the next morning, I had those precious young girls at my house for discipleship enjoy making. And I got out of bed, and as soon as my head, fortunately in my little house, I step out of bed and the wall's right there. And it's a good thing because I stepped out of bed and I fell right into the wall because I had no sensation or feeling. And then I sat back down, and there's just like this vibrating tingle that was going through my body. Okay, I can deal with that. But I've got these girls coming, and I don't want them to know that I've been stung. And I think I can pull it off. Well, I go out, and we get our first cup of coffee. And we, in the mornings, we do devotions together out on our porch. And I'm sitting in the, in the rocking chair. And if I put my arm on the armrest and I would lift it up, my hand would vibrate. If I would sip my coffee, my lips would vibrate. And I'm, like, drooling. And Well, we sat there for about, like, 20 minutes. And I had shorts on like capri shorts, denim ones, mistake, and a tank top. And ladies, I stood up. I don't share this when there's men in the house. But I stood up, and I was vibrating in places I didn't know could vibrate. (laughs) And it wasn't fun. It lasted like 26 hours. And I got out to the, to the class, and the girls took one look at me, and they said, you got to go to the clinic. And I said, what are they going to do at the clinic? They said, oh, they're going to give you a shot of scorpion to take away the scorpion. I said, I'll vibrate. This is the second community we're in now. This is the second school. It's called Alapante. And this was the day that um, we'd had teams from the area come down, and we put that new fencing all the way around their complex and painted their gates and painted their swing sets. And left, and we got a phone call. If you show me the next slide, and they invited us out because they were going to have a special holiday for all the work that God had done, and that's what they said. God had done, and they had a present pastor preached. Um, the men from there were people from the government, and they were praising God for the provision of this. And this—that's the actual ribbon cutting ceremony that they had. 
afterwards, and we were honored to be able to be a part of that. This next picture is just a picture that touches my heart. Generations to generations, and I think that just speaks loud and clear, this grandma and her granddaughter. And, um, you know, it's extreme poverty where they live, and I could show you pictures of that, but the love they share with nothing, it just touches me. The next one, I don't know what's going on here. Pray for this young lady. Her name is Evelyn. She has made a lot of the jewelry that's out on the table. Um, we haven't been doing jewelry classes for the last few months, and she keeps popping up in my house to visit. But you can tell that there's something on her heart and there's something on her mind, but she hasn't shared it yet. So just be praying what she's showing up for, Lord, and that we'll be ready for it when she comes. Evelyn, Evelyn. One more slide. This is Jaleska. She is in our sponsorship program, too. Um, she does receive her backpack, and her, she got her bicycle last year. She's now in the, the Bible class discipleship program. She's helping teach. And right before I came home, she said, I want a picture of my sponsor. I want you to bring back a picture of my sponsor. I want to see who God gave me, who loves me. And I went to her papers, and she doesn't have a sponsor. So pray for the way I can handle that with her when I go back, that, you know what, you got a lot of them. you got a lot of people praying for you and love you. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. We'll talk after. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we get comfortable. You know, we're in a couple communities. We've got Bible class going. We've got, and I'm learning, don't ever get comfortable. Don't ever get comfortable. The next slide is a scripture verse that I was reading um, when I was praying. Exodus 16.3. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Comfortable, comfortable. They were comfortable in what they were doing. They were comfortable in their excess of food. And God had to take them that far and in that heart of a walk to show them you're comfortable. You're going to go without a while to realize how much you had. And it takes me back. I just need to remember I can't get comfortable. I'm moving from my little 500-square-feet house that also has part of that as a classroom and part of that as a porch, and I'm going to move over to this other building that I'm going to have a living room and a kitchen and, a, and a two bedrooms. Don't get comfortable, Jana. Don't get comfortable. Those walls can get weak, and people can come in, and crazy things can, gap, can happen. And on that note of getting comfortable i got to tell you a story where we're going. You can show the next slide. We went on a missions trip up the Rio Coco to visit the indigenous Indians of Nicaragua, third language. Gloria, I haven't even mastered Spanish, and this is mosquito now. You do, you do. God bless you, girlfriend. 
We prayed for her last night, and I said, selfishly, I wanted to pray. Give me her language, Lord. Give me her language. But I did. <laughs> to the Mosquito Indians. We were on the river. That is a tree they cut down and carved out. It's a 54-foot wooden boat, and we were nine hours in that baby with 3,000 pounds of food and water and supplies for the week they were up, that we were up there. This is a, and the next one is a home. That's a typical home up there. The people live at the top, and their animals and stuff go underneath it for shelter, and then they have a hole upstairs that they dump the food scraps if there is any down for the animals to eat. Next one is inside. That's the family that lives in this house. The men are all off to work. Inside, you can see their clothes are just hanging off of pegs and the ceiling so that the scorpions don't get in. And inside that house is two tables and one rocking chair. And those two tables are used to fold the clothes, to feed the family, and at night, that's where they sleep, is on that table. All of them. Yep, all of them. Talking about my stilettos, girls. The next picture. There we are. I went with the pretty green boots. And they had flowers on them, and they had orange heels. And I thought I was doing good until the second day up there, because I hadn't worn them in a year. They dry, they rotted. And we had to duct tape the cut. You know, from here to here, they had duct tape to seal up the cracks where they had split. And we crossed the river. And the water was to here, and my boots got suctioned onto my feet. I'm laying on the ground, and there's three of them trying to pull them off. Humble, humble, Jana. But that's typical up there, bare feet. And so when the team came, um, Marilyn had gotten 300 pairs of shoes, like a croc, croc style shoe. And um, we had handed some out in one of the communities while they were there. And the rest of them are going to go up to the Rio Coco to the people up there. The next one is we did um, one day while we were there, we had cooked a rice and vegetable and meat dish for the families. Most of these kids were home, home alone. Their parents had gone into Honduras, which is across the river, to work, and these kids were left by themselves on their own for the whole week. So different ladies that were still in the neighborhood, in this community, would maybe get them a meal a day. And so when we ask them what their meal is, because it's a nine-hour boat ride for them to get in for, to town for supplies, the vegetables and the meats are very limited because they also don't have refrigeration or electricity in this community. And so we took our meat and our vegetables and stuff in coolers and on ice, and then we made a meal for them. Unbelievable. You would watch these kids eat, and they were just, I don't know if my next, um, just pawing at the food with their fingers. And when they would get their belly full, they would take the bowl to mom and she would lick out the scraps that maybe were left in the bowl, and then she'd hand it to the next child, and they'd come get in line because they might only have one, two, three bowls in the house of eight or nine, ten people in the family. The next picture will show you. You can see she's just going with her fingers. 
The next one, here's an up close, you can see a mom. Those are some of the blankets that the ladies from the East Canton um, Quilting Club had made blankets and we took down to give the moms. Another thing that often happens down there because they're so far away and they have to pay crazy amounts of money to get in the boat to ride into town because nobody has their own. So special boats will come up with drivers to take them into town. So illness is an issue. Pregnancy is an issue. Um, this little boy in the next slide had gotten a cut that got infected. And they couldn't get him to help. They couldn't afford the help. They couldn't afford the medicine to help him if they did get him there. And it had grown right on down into his private area. The next picture is a little girl. I couldn't get the, gir- the little girl with the really curly hair beside her. Um, was about two and a half, and we were putting little hair pretties in all the little girl's hair. And when it was her turn, she came up to me, and I looked down at her head, and the whole top of her head I thought was cradle cap. And I didn't have my readers, and I started touching it, and it didn't feel like it. And I called my husband over, and I said, what am I looking at? And he said, it's fly eggs. Some type of fly head, and it was all webby and messed up. And I said, we got to get this off of there. Because if not, it's going to dry on her head like a, like a scab. And when that comes off, all that hair is going to come with it, and that hair area will die. And so I went to the mom, and we explained the situation. And we said, you need to be gentle about it. Rub oil into it and just start softening it up to work it off. At lunchtime, they went home. And I thought, oh, maybe they're going home to eat. An hour later, they came back, and this little girl was all dressed up in a pretty little dress, And mom had peeled that whole thing off the top of her head, and it was just shiny, glossy, you know, like a a cut when it gets that protective. So then we had to go get ball hats to get on her. And then we had to say to mom, this can't be in the sun. And it was like we just took a bad situation and turned it into worse. That is one thing true I do see a lot is we feel a fly and we're batting it away. And they'll be just like crawling all over their faces and stuff, and it just doesn't even phase them. The next picture we took up, we were supposed to go at Christmas, but there was violence and stuff on the river, and they wouldn't allow us on the river to go up. So in January, they had opened it up, and we took the gifts up that weekend. And you can see all the people outside standing, waiting, and they were just little Nicaraguan, this was a Nicaraguan little plastic Barbie doll. I mean, it wasn't even the quality like you get at the, like the dollar store brand of a Barbie doll. It was, and these kids, you would have thought you just gave them, you know, the 2015, you know, Christmas Barbie. Um, and these things are so unusual and so rare that one of the pastors from the other, a different community had come in when he heard they were there and wanted to help us. And twice we found him with Barbie dolls in his pockets. He was trying to sneak home to his kids. But they're just so without, just so without. But this is probably, the next one is probably the one that really grabbed my heart. We did a, one afternoon, we asked all the girls from nine years old up to come into the church for a class. And we began to talk to them about 
hygiene and about being girls and saving ourselves for marriage. And it soon turned into what do you girls know about your body? What do you know about getting pregnant? What do you know? They knew nothing. They knew nothing. As we began to talk to them about their bodies and about the cycle, their faces were, and mind you, we had one girl that could speak Spanish that was Mosquito. So bless her heart. It's the girl in the blue shirt way down in the end. Everything we said in Spanish, then she had to translate into Mosquito. And this is kind of an embarrassing kind of topic for teenagers to do. And so she started going back and forth with conversation with us. And these girls, when they began to bleed, they thought they were dying. So every month when the cycle comes, they think, I'm going to die again because no one had told them what this was all about. And up in this community, the house that, one of the houses we had gone to visit, we ended up bringing back with us a little girl that was 11 because her 20-year-old sister was pregnant with her second child by one of the boat drivers that comes back and forth. He was a married man. He had all kinds of STDs, impregnated this 20-year-old girl, and now she's pregnant with all these diseases, but not understanding what's going on with her body. Because even when you go to the doctors up in there, they don't explain. This is what it is. This is what you got to do. See you later. Her 13-year-old sister, the month before they got, we got there, mom had sent her off with a man to be married because she couldn't feed her. She couldn't feed her. So this 11-year-old girl, that we have a Nicaraguan pastor and his wife that go, they're kind of the leaders of this, and we kind of go alongside them. And the wife said, let's rescue this one daughter. Let me take her home with me. I'll put her in school. Let me get her educated on life. Let us, you know, raise her up outside of this community and save her. And so the mom allowed us to. And when we got back down through, um, we have to go through two different checkpoints in the, in the boat. And there's a lot going on with this sexual exploitation all around the world. And we hear we have this little girl that we have no papers on. She doesn't belong to any of us. And as we're getting close, the, the pastor said, just be quiet and pray. Just be quiet and pray. Because you pull up and you park the boat, and two armed guards come out to meet your boat, and there's two more up in the woods with loaded guns waiting. They want to see your papers. They want everybody identified, and they want to know who's with who. And we got up there that day, and they said, show me the gringa's passports. And they let us go through. We got to the second one, and they called the pastor off and talked to him a few minutes and never even came to our boat. Praise God. Praise God. So the little girl is in, in Managua now, being raised by a Christian, the pastor and his wife, and she's in school. And just pray that she can stay there, and mom and dad don't, for some reason, bring her back. So comfortable? That's not comfortable. And, you know, it's like you can't quit thinking about them. You can't quit praying for them. And in October, we're going back. 
18 more hours in that carved out boat. (laughs) But you know what? What God can do, if it's just saving one more little girl on that river, if it's just feeding those people one more time, I'm going to do it. Because I know, this last slide, in God's presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures, are tre- pleasures forever. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Every day, all day, I have to do this. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And I haven't found out one thing being down there that I could share with all of you is I've learned to call upon him, but I've learned I need to call upon him in truth. And lots of times it's not my way. Lots of times it's not how I want to pray. But I have to get to the word, and I have to see what the truth is in the situation. Because then I know that I know when I get back in that boat and go those nine hours, he's going to be with me, and I can speak truth. So God bless you all. I'm headed back. I'm going to try. We're waiting for the mail to come because there's a package that's supposed to be in the mail that we really need. Yeah. And so I think I can stay till noon. So I'm excited to hear what you have to share, and I don't want to miss it. So thank you, girls. I covet your prayers. My husband covets your prayers. Um, And everything we do and all that we do, by praying, you're a part of everything that God's doing down there. So thank you, and God bless you.